Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, a show about releasing the stigma surrounding mental health and finally finding your own happiness. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I'm sharing my most vulnerable stories around my own mental health journey in an open and authentic way to help you feel less alone in your struggles. We all deserve to be happy and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I am so excited to be recording today because we do have another guest. So we have Amanda Young here with us today, and she is a best-selling author, a mental health advocate, and a podcast host. So Amanda is going to be talking a little bit about mental health advocacy, misdiagnosis, and bipolar 2 in young adults. So thank you so much for being here today, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this opportunity. Yeah, I was um, looking at your Instagram and your podcast before we started recording today, and I listened to a couple episodes, and I just want to say your podcast is so fun, so amazing, and I love how colorful and bright and just fun your Instagram is. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic because I have not had anyone on to talk about bipolar yet, so that's a topic I would really love to dive in for my audience. So I was just going to say, do you want to start by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about yourself and getting into your story? Sure. Of course. So like you stated, my name is Amanda Young. My pronouns are she, her, and I kind of started all of this mental health advocacy because of a very severe mental health breakdown that I had. I was definitely in crisis mode a couple of years ago, but I didn't know it. And I had not officially been diagnosed with any mental health disorders or illnesses, but I was coping and masking everything because of the nature of my job and just the state of the world that everything was in and societal norms and pressures. So what I thought was just, oh, I just have some anxiety was really my body cluing me in that, hey, daily panic attacks are not how everyone else operates and, you know, suicidal ideation and things like that that's not what everyone else in the world goes through. And so I eventually got to this point of having a very severe mental health crisis, which led me into officially getting diagnosed with five different mental health disorders, resulting in finally, finally figuring out that I um, have bipolar too. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is definitely a lot. Five diagnoses is one is probably very overwhelming and a lot to take in. I can imagine, you know, how crazy that must have been. Um, But yeah, so I am glad that you have, you know, touched on a lot of those topics just in your intro, just because, you know, I struggled with, I still struggle with anxiety, you know, having severe panic attacks. I had the same issue where I was kind of at my lowest low. And that's what started me to seek therapy and seek treatment and start inquiring more about my own mental health. Um, And my last episode that I did for the podcast was actually about me going to get an ADHD evaluation done. Yes. Yes. And so I did the Mm -hmm. four hour thing. My therapist was like, you definitely have ADHD. Like I've seen it since we started working together. We've been working together for like two years. And so I get, and 
to the evaluation. I do the whole four hours and they tell me that I don't have ADHD, that I, I might have something called quiet bipolar um, and maybe have OCD as well. So I completely feel you when you're getting a lot of diagnosis thrown at you, it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> So do you want to talk a little bit about how, when you found out about bipolar, what that was like, um, and then kind of what you learned along the way of what that disorder looks like and how you kind of manage that? Yeah, of course. So like we talked about, I had a really big mental breakdown and I don't say that lightly because I feel like society really generalizes and mainstreams like, oh, I'm having a mental breakdown. And while mental health has come such a long way, even in the past 10 years, there are phrases and wordings that people say that can actually gloss over people's experiences. Just like you said, the potential that you have OCD. There was a shirt at Target a couple of years ago that was like, OCD is cool. And it's like, hey, wait. That's a real disorder that real people have life altering effects of. And so I never want to diminish anyone's experience with saying like it was a mental health breakdown. Anyways. Yes. So I, from the start knew that I had some depression going on, had some anxiety going on, even from like high school is really when I can pinpoint it. But like I said earlier, throughout college and my early adult life, I was able to overcompensate. And in reality, what I was doing is stuffing it so far down and compartmentalizing it that it was inevitable that it was going to explode eventually. And so what happened is once the pandemic hit, my career path had been altered a couple times. I finally started working from home. And the big thing for me was my structure went away. And the moment I was not distracted by a crazy job, all these other expectations, is when everything that I had pushed down inside of me started to creep up at a rate that I could no longer control and distract anymore. And so last summer of 2021, it got to the point that my moods and my overall emotions were so unregulated that I had zero control over anything. And anyone that knows me knows that I am like your classic type A perfectionist. I'm a Capricorn. Enneagram three wing four, I'm the oldest sibling. So like everything about my personality is structure and order. And when that got taken away from me, like I said, everything started to creep out. So I was spiraling into very severe depression. I was having unexplained daily panic and anxiety attacks. I started to fixate on a lot of different things. My moods were completely unregulated and I had been in therapy every week for the past two years. I was talking to my primary care about it. I was on depression meds. I was on Zoloft for two years because of the depression anxiety that we were sensing. And I kept asking her, hey, something feels off. I feel funky. Things are getting worse, but I can't explain why. There's nothing in my environment that is cluing me in to why this is going on. And so she just kept upping my depression meds, upping, upping, upping. I was on the full max dose of Zoloft and feeling the lowest and most suicidal and most anxious I'd ever been. And in my brain, I was like, that doesn't make sense. That is not how it's supposed to be. These are supposed to help me function, not hinder me. And so finally, I just felt like she wasn't listening to me. And I kept asking and asking that something was wrong to the point that one day I told my husband that 
It was exhausting to exist, (laughs) which is not good. And two, that if I was not in a public place, I felt like I was going to burst into tears at any moment. So I would leave the house to just walk around the mall and walk around outside so that the pressures of society would like hold in my moods that like, oh, I can't cry in public. And so that's what really forced me to find a psychiatrist. And like you said, I was sitting on the couch. I took all these tests, this huge questionnaire. And for someone who tried their entire life to be special and different and one of a kind and irreplaceable, it was such this overwhelming feeling of gratitude that I was textbook in the sense that we had the five minute conversation and she was like, oh, you very clearly have major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, ADHD, CPTSD, and bipolar two. And I was like, huh. And so she very clearly explained all of those to me. We talked about an action plan moving forward with my therapist. And then she put me on a very cocktail of medication that within a week completely changed my life in all of the best ways. And so for a story that started at the lowest I've ever been, finally, it's to the point where my body is out of survival mode and really just starting to live and function the way that it's supposed to. I love hearing that, you know, when you weren't really getting your needs met and you knew something was wrong, instead of just settling and saying, you know, okay, they're the professionals, they know, um, because that's what I do a lot and a lot of my past in my own mental health journey, when people would say, oh, you don't have this issue or you don't struggle or you're, you know, making things up or things like that. I always took it as, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not the professional they are. So I would just blindly follow people. And that's what has led me into these like push and pull crazy different directions. And so it's really refreshing to hear that you said, no, I know me. I trust me. I'm going to see a psychiatrist. And that's something that I really pushed my audience is that, you know, you know, you better than anybody else. You know what you're going through every single day. You're the one who has to live inside of your head. So if something seems off and somebody's telling you, you know, oh, don't worry about it or things like that, there's other people you can talk to. There's other resources. There's other ways to get help. And it is nice to hear also that, you know, when you did finally get on a mixture of medicine, sometimes that can be overwhelming, you know, just because with the stigmas and everything like that, but then to hear that it helped you and made you feel, you know, so much better is just really, really great. So I'm glad that you were able to find those combinations. Thank you. I love what you said about getting second opinions in pretty much any other medical profession or medical professional that you see you get a second opinion on big things when it comes to surgery or big bodily diagnoses. And one thing that I try to stress is your brain and your mental health should encompass that too. Mental health is health. It is holistic. And like you said, I I knew my body best. I knew my mind best. No one else knows or knew what was going on inside unless I told them. And when I felt like I wasn't being heard, I I advocated. And honestly, that is what saved my life because it was to the point that I didn't want to exist anymore. And for me, now that I'm regulated on meds, those ideas and thoughts are so otherworldly to me because I love living. I love being active and happy and fun. And so to see myself get to that point really is a testament that something was really wrong. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's good that you were able to kind of, you know, get there and get to that point and just trust yourself. And I know it can be a very long journey from getting to the lowest of the low to finally feeling comfortable. And like you said, actually love living and wanting to wake up every day and get stuff done. So it's really nice to see that you've worked through all of that. So are you still experiencing, you know, daily managing of your mental health or, you know, is there still times where you can go from being like, I love life, I'm ready to live the day, but then you might run into a bad day or things like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So one thing with bipolar and I again have bipolar too, there's two different types of bipolar. Honestly, they're expanding that even more. Like you said, there's other facets and subcategories of bipolar, but typically with bipolar, it means that throughout the course of your life, weeks, months, days, even you're experiencing abnormal highs and abnormal lows. And the way I like to relate bipolar two, which is how my psychiatrist explained it to me is that if everyone in life lives at a middle line, so call it a five, their sadness might be a three, maybe down to a one, their joy might be, you know, up to a seven, eight, nine with bipolar. Again, you're feeling an extreme. So my sadness is in the negatives and then my joy and happiness, which can be those manic phases are above 10, 11, 12. And so again, it's these unregulated, unsustainable feelings. So with me, I was never really clued into my manic phases and I can look back into college and pre-teen and even in my young adult life and see, oh yeah, uh-huh, that was a manic episode. And for me, it manifested in extreme creativity, extreme extrovertedness, being able to ace all of my exams because I stayed up for days to study and absorb material, things like that. Now that I'm on medication, I still have those mood swings. So those are not going to go away. But what the medication does is bring me up to live my life at that normal level. So when I do experience lows, they're more similar to what the average neurotypical person experiences. And those highs, I actually just went through a manic phase a couple of days ago because I was walking through Michael's and I saw all of this beautiful rainbow yarn and was instantly like, I'm going to do this project and this project and this project. And I bought like 10 skeins of yarn and I get home and the next day I was like, I don't want anything to do with this yarn. And so, you know, the media portrays these manic episodes, um, in really crazy ways. There's big stereotypes. And, you know, I think we can all When you think of a bipolar person, you have this image of what you think that is. And so a big part that I try to do in my life is explain that meds and therapy and friends that hold you accountable and partners that support you can all be a perfect recipe to help you get through those scenarios. While it's not going to hundred percent, make it go away. The medication and therapy gives you the tools for you to help problem solve through the way that that your brain works. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When you mentioned stereotypes and how the media portrays it and everybody has, you know, someone they can think of like in a show or something like that. Last week when I was discussing, you know, when they brought up the chance that I might have bipolar disorder, my mind immediately went to the show Shameless. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes. 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 Monica and just how she can go from those like really high highs to then just 
being so low and so, you know, kind of like they show her being all over the place. Even in Euphoria, Euphoria, I had been watching recently and the way Zendaya portrays bipolar is incredible. I'm getting goosebumps right now because there's an episode where she describes not being able to pee and getting a kidney infection because she's so depressed. She can't get out of bed. And in that moment, I felt the most seen that I ever had because I have gotten stomach ulcers and kidney issues because of feeling that low that I physically cannot take care of myself. And that was a very, the way she portrays bipolar is so respectful and artistic and real that I just, I really love the way they did that in euphoria. Yeah. That's why I love euphoria when they do focus on, you know, the drug addiction and the mental health aspects, Mm -hmm. because like you said, they do it in a very, you know, realistic and respectful way. So when I watch that show, you know, I see certain things that I resonate with and I feel very seen as well. And so it's nice to see, you know, euphoria take the route of we're going to portray this honestly and realistically, as opposed to, you know, things like shameless where they take more of the stereotypical, like, yeah. you know, buzzword almost kind of description and then throw that out to the public for a bunch of people to see. So it's nice to see when shows do take that more direct and relatable approach. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, to go back to your manic, um, episode or periods. Um, yeah. so do you have a normal time span that they last or is it change as it goes on? You know, is it, you know, my manic highs are going to come in for four days and my manic lows are going to come in for two days, or is it could be one way, one day, one day, the other. Yeah. So previously, so like pre being diagnosed and being on medication, I can pinpoint manic episodes lasting weeks, months, even almost to like a year or so, because again, I was ignoring symptoms masking so well to fit into society. And I can see like the trajectory of like not stopping, not stopping recently now being on medication, the manic episodes, like I said, they manifest themselves for me in like extreme creativity. So like crafting and I, the recent one only lasted like a day. The one before that was a couple weeks before. And I fixated on crocheting like three different purses. And so that like lasted the amount until I finished the purse. And then I was like, okay, I'm done with it. So for me, what I've learned is if I indulge the things that I'm manic about, as long as they're healthy and they serve me and they're harmless to society and myself, if I let myself feel those feelings, then it's a natural cycle that it goes away. And so again, crocheting, harmless. It's not going to hurt anyone. If anything, it's off my screen, my tablets, my social media. And I'm able to like check in with myself. The moment that was over, I was like, "Mm, okay, we're back. We're good. You know? And so I found that as long as I sit in and feel those feelings again, as long as they're not harmful to me or society, it kind of takes this natural progression of like, okay, a couple days and we're good. Let's get back. Awesome. Yeah. That's definitely good to know. And especially for anyone out there who might be experiencing these same things. Um, I always push to my audience, you know, someone's mental health disorder is going to look completely different from your mental health disorder. So even though you struggle with bipolar two and someone listening might struggle with bipolar two, 
what you experience and what they experience can be completely different. So I just like to see you know, oh, yeah. what everybody goes through just so everybody can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. It's not just one clean cut yeah. definition. So, well, and it's important too, to realize that a lot of these mental health disorders we're talking about are considered spectrum disorders, which means that you can have again, depending on the way your brain chemistry is, your lived experiences, your environment, it can affect you completely different. So for say celebrities right now, Kanye, he is someone that struggles and is very publicly going through a mental health crisis and the things that he's going through and feeling I can relate to, but on a different scale, because I have the luxury of not having this massive following and paparazzi at my every move. And so again, that's where these stereotypes come into play and it's harmful, but also it can be educational to remember that it's a spectrum, just like a lot of other, you know, neural divergent disorders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's something great to mention as well, because it is a spectrum. It is, you know, a variety of scales. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that as well. So if anybody out there is currently struggling with bipolar or they think they might be struggling with bipolar, but aren't really sure what the next steps are to take, um, what are some tips that you can give them and maybe some ways that they could, you know, manage this while they're finding the treatment that they might need? Yeah. So that's a really good point that you bring up is manage while finding treatment because, because of the pandemic and everyone, again, being alone at home with their thoughts, psychiatrist's office and therapist's office are being overwhelmed. And there's these waiting periods of you get to the point like, okay, I know I need help, but then you're on a couple month waiting list. And that is something that I had to go through too. So what I would suggest first is building a trusted and safe group of individuals that can be there intentionally for you, asking you questions beyond how are you doing today? But What feelings are you feeling? How can I show up for you? Do you need me to help you hold you accountable? And so I was able to create the safety net of my partner, my loved ones, and my close circle of friends to check in on me and be like, hey, did you brush your teeth today, Amanda? Hey, did you drink water? Have you eaten something more than iced coffee in your antidepressants? And again, finding those intentional friendships will help keep you in this state of healthiness until, again, you can move forward. Um, Taking advantage of therapy is an incredible resource, especially with teletherapy right now, with better help and cerebral and all these other resources out there. And that can hopefully help keep you, again, managed until you're able to get a psychiatrist appointment or get in to see a regular therapist. That's really good advice. Yeah. Support systems can be so huge. Um, you know, I always talk about my support systems that I have in place. My boyfriend's a very big one for me, my mom as well. Um, but I really love that you mentioned having people check in and just ask you, you know, are you completing basic everyday tasks? Because I struggle with mostly anxiety, depression, OCPD, and then I'm now figuring out if I do have bipolar ADHD. Um, but my boyfriend, he does have ADHD. And so, you know, Um, we have different areas that I excel in and he struggles in and vice versa. So it's nice because we can help each other out. And when we first started living together, you know, he would forget to brush his teeth 
and he would forget to eat until 5 p.m. or he wouldn't drink water for like four days straight. And I like to me, I was like, I don't understand how you know, that's just not part of your daily routine. In my mind, it's just something that you do. And for him, he explained, you know, his brain doesn't work like that. It's not, you know, something he thinks about if it's not directly in front of him. So just being able to have somebody there to say, Hey, did you brush your teeth today? Have you gotten a glass of water yet? Just those basic everyday needs that a lot of people would think, Oh, this is just something people automatically think about. That's not something I would need to ask somebody. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Again, it goes back to that spectrum while you and your boyfriend technically have potentially the same disorder in reality is affecting both of you very differently. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a learning process and (laughs) it's sometimes not the most fun when, you know, both of us are struggling, but it's also nice to have somebody who is there who kind of loosely understands what you're going through and how hard it is. And they can just, you know, be that support person, like you said, and just finding people who are willing to accept, you know, whatever you may be struggling with, they're not going to judge you for it. They're just going to say, how can I help? What can I do? What do you need from me? So yeah. 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 Yeah, That was a big, big learning curve with my husband and I is he, you know, bless him has zero mental health disorders, zero. He is one of those lucky individuals. And when a lot of my mental health disorders started manifesting again, it was early adult. We got married when we were in our early twenties and he was just like, Oh, you're sad. Well, go for a run. I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. You know? And he's like, Oh, you're anxious. Well, just don't, don't think about that. (laughs) Just like, I can't. That's yes. the thing. <laughs> and so throughout our relationship and learning and growing together, you know, he obviously cares so much about me. So he took time to learn and read and just listen to me about what I was going through. And I learned to how to communicate effectively what I was going through. And so again, euphoria, we would watch certain scenes and I was like that that is what an intrusive thought feels like. And he's like, I've never had one of those. And I know, I know. And then I'll see, hear a song and I'm like, that's what depression feels like. And so I've been able to find these ways to like help explain to him what I'm going through. And yeah, that has been really eye opening to watch him realize, oh, okay. Huh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so nice to have those, you know, TV shows or songs or even like books or things like that physically say, look at this. And that's exactly what I'm feeling because sometimes when you are the person struggling, you don't know how to effectively communicate that, like you said. So it is a learning curve, but it's nice when, you know, your support system wants to learn as much as they can and actually try and get in there and understand what it feels like. Um, So yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, I, at the end of every week, I put a song in that portrays to the weekly episode or pertains to the weekly episode. And that is something that I explained in one of my first episodes of this podcast is that music has always been kind of my support system when I wasn't acknowledging my mental health or I wasn't treating it or, you know, I couldn't explain it to people. I would hear songs and I would feel seen and I would feel understood. And I would, you know, just 
send those to people as a way to be like, Hey, this explains what I'm going through. And so maybe it can kind of help you understand. So that's why I started the search for serotonin playlist. So then that way I could still continue to communicate my feelings through music and then kind of keep it similar to the podcast and everything like that. So I love that. I have my own playlist too, where I like add those things in and that's such a great idea. I'll have to go follow your playlist. <laughs> it's, it will be linked in the show notes of the episode Perfect. so you can find it so easily. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so this podcast is called the search for serotonin. And I did start it because, you know, I was struggling with my mental health. I was in a job that I didn't like. I was in grad school and I was just so miserable. And I decided to leave all of that behind and just start focusing on, you know, what made me happy and what was going to improve my quality of life and then improve my mental health. So I always like to ask, you know, how do you search for serotonin in your everyday life? What is the thing that brings you happiness and helps improve your mental health? Well, first of all, I love that you shared all of that because that is exactly my story too. I left everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing because it wasn't serving me. And it was honestly the source of a lot of my mental health issues. And by focusing on myself, again, I was able to come to this conclusion about what was really going on in my brain. So again, I resonate so much with that, but as far as finding serotonin for me, I am such a creative and as you can see, colorful person, and I love expressing myself through color and art and creativity. And so, yeah, whenever I'm feeling like I need an extra, you know, hit of serotonin, (laughs) because it is, it really does. It's a chemical that our brain needs. So oftentimes it feels like a drug, but whenever I need an extra bit of serotonin, I try to dive into anything that makes me feel creative. So whether that's crafting, sewing, I have a cricket machine, crocheting, I really have been utilizing YouTube and just finding tutorials that interest me in crocheting or sewing and just being able to create something that I can be proud of. And that's really what has brought me a lot of joy lately. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been recently getting into like painting, like paint by numbers off of Amazon. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Me and my boyfriend actually do those together, but yeah, just the creative aspect and finding something that, you know, you can do and it's actually something you're working towards, but it's still relaxing and fun. And it kind of takes your mind off whatever you're thinking internally. Um, That's also something I do to find serotonin as well. So I love that you do creative outlets. So So those were all of the questions that I had for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I would just say, especially with bipolar for anyone listening a lot, it's split in the medical community. They think that the majority of it is hereditary, which means that there's a high chance that someone you're related to has a version of bipolar. Um, And then also they think it's brought on by high stress, substance abuse and trauma. So for me, that was my college experience. And that is really when my bipolar symptoms started to really manifest. And the biggest thing for me is advocating when you're a young adult to know and ask your family medical history, ask your family like, Hey, I know it's awkward to talk about, but what is lurking in our genetics? What mood disorders, personality disorders, you know, there was a lot of depression, anxiety, and bipolar lurking in my family history that years and years and years ago wasn't actually clinically diagnosed and being able to prepare myself and educate what the signs of bipolar would have been, would have helped save me a lot 
in my twenties. And I'm so glad again, that I was able to fight and claw my way out to get my diagnosis, but moving forward, I want to make sure that in the future, I prepare family that comes after me of what I went through and what they could potentially go through as well. So again, for being in your college age, for me, it was excessive insomnia, but again, that could be thought of as, Hey, you're a really great student and you're in the library. Um, it was definitely, um, high inflated self-esteem, but I was in a sorority. I was feeling myself. I was doing amazing, um, substance abuse, but college culture is, Hey, let's go to parties and drink a ton because we want to escape college and stress, um, extreme stress. But I was in the honors college. I got my degree in three years. I was on a scholarship. You know, I was working towards my dream job. So again, all of these things that could just be a normal college experience could have also clued me in that, Hey, bipolar is coming. It's coming for you, Amanda. And so again, I say all of this to go back to being an intentional friend. When you see one of your friends, whether you're a young adult or middle-aged adult or older adult exhibiting some of these signs, it is a physical outward clue that something's going on inside. And that's why I think the, the conversation around mental health is so important that we can be asking like, Hey, I've noticed you've been drinking a lot lately. Is everything okay? Or, Hey, I've noticed that you're not coming out of your room as much anymore. Are you all right? And just talking and having these important conversations can be the avenue for someone to really open up about what is going on inside. So that's like my little soapbox spiel. (laughs) I was going to say, I think that is very helpful and very important to mention. And it's very powerful that you were able to identify a lot of those, you know, things that you were doing in college that a lot of people from the outside looking in would say, oh, she's excelling and she's doing great and she's doing wonderful, but that's not actually the case. And for you to say, you know, it's, ask your friends, you know, if you're drinking a little bit more than normal, you know, as long as you're coming from a place of love and just Mm -hmm. genuine, like care and concern, I know that a lot of people could take those kinds of questions and just immediately become defensive, but just approaching them in the way of, Hey, I just want to make sure you're okay. And you don't need to hide these things. And I'm here for you if you need it. So I think that was a really great way of phrasing all of that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, thank you. Of course. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Um, Before I let you go, I do want to have you share um, where people can find you. I know you have a lot of cool stuff going on. So I want to be able to give you the opportunity to promote yourself and everything that you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you again for having me. It's incredible talking to you. And again, just being able to share my story and realize that yet again, I'm not alone and that you resonate with so many things too. Um, again, my name is Amanda Young. You can find me everywhere on social media in my website at that Amanda girl. And my mental health centered podcast is called sunshine and rainbows. You can find that everywhere where you get your podcasts for free. And then I also have a children's book series that has been published. The second book will be coming out April 7th, but it's called, the first book is called Jumo the Unicorn, and it's about friendship, love, inclusivity, and again, speaking up and using your voice. And you can find that on Amazon. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for my audience. I will be linking Amanda's website, Instagram, her podcast, as well as her book all in the show notes. So if you guys want to continue to learn more about Amanda, follow her podcast, follow her story, you guys can find that all in the show notes and it'll be easily accessible for everybody. So thank you so much again, Amanda, for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to record with me. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on and share your story because like you said, we resonate with a lot of the same things. And I think my audience will really enjoy hearing all about you. Yay. Thank you so much. This week's song is As I Am by Justin Bieber featuring Khalid. I chose this song because it related to the topic that Amanda and I discussed of having a strong support system in place, having people that you can rely on, people that will continue to show up for you. The one line in the song that stands out to me is take me with the good and the ugly, say I'm not going anywhere. And when you're struggling with mental health and you're somebody who is feeling low and just feeling defeated, you're going to need people around you who are going to continue to support you no matter what and aren't going to leave you in your darkest moments. So if you want to listen to As I Am by Justin Bieber featuring Khalid, you can check it out on the Search for Serotonin Spotify playlist, which will be linked in the show notes. As always, remember this world is better with you in it. Have a great Monday, you guys.